Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Straight Up Sabres, presented by the Hockey Podcast Network and the Charging Buffalo, brought to you by Thin Man Brewery. As always, I'm Brendan. And I'm Taylor. And Taylor, we had some technical difficulties earlier in the week, which meant we were unable to put out our usual Monday episode. And so for that, everybody, we are very sorry about that. Since then, though, the Sabres, since our last episode, I should say, the Sabres have played three games, an exciting overtime victory against the Minnesota Wild on Saturday, which was then followed up by a couple of stinkers against both the Philadelphia Flyers and a little bit better of a game against the Seattle Kraken. But before we get to that, everybody, we have much more important, better, and happy news to share. We finally have the date locked in for our first straight-up Sabres trivia night at Thin Man Brewery. It is going down, everybody. Mark your calendars now. Wednesday, January 25th, 8 p.m., Thin Man Elmwood. We are beyond pumped about this. Taylor and I are going to be hosting trivia. We're going to be writing all of the questions ourselves. And everybody is invited. Free admission to come check it out. We're going to be up on the second floor at Thin Man. It is going to be an awesome, awesome, awesome time. Unbelievably excited. Taylor, are you as hyped as I am about this right now? I'm very hyped. I've been thinking about questions all day uh, because there's re- there's really a lot of ground we can cover if we're doing, you know, Buffalo sports. There's this other team you guys might have heard of. They're playing in the playoffs this week. People are pretty excited about them. They have a 63-64 season history now. Sabres have more than 50 seasons of stuff to draw from, plus college. Well, well I guess you would say minor league baseball. Uh, in addition to Box lacrosse, mm-hmm. the Buffalo Stallions, the soccer world. I hope everybody's ready because we're doing 75% Buffalo Stallions questions. That's right. No, obviously, yeah, we'll lean, of course, much more towards the Bills and Sabres. And who knows, maybe we'll do like some bonus questions on general sports trivia for that matter. But this one, though, this first one we're going to be doing specifically dedicated to Buffalo Sports Trivia. Taylor and I are going to be getting together to write all the questions out. But yeah, it's going to be a great time. We are beyond excited. We want to give a huge thank you to Thin Man again for hosting us, especially Yvonne and Cam over there. Um, And it's going to be the first of a few events that we're going to have through the rest of the season here. So we're really, really excited. We have some really cool stuff coming up with some of our future ones as well that we'll get into when the time comes. But again, everybody, January 25th, Thin Man Elmwood, Taylor and I will be hosting Buffalo Sports Trivia Night. There's going to be great prizes as well. 
You're going to be getting some Thin Man gift cards. Maybe we'll have some Buffalo sports memorabilia too for some of our winners as well that we may be able to have in the mix here. So all in all, it is going to be a killer time and I'm beyond excited for it. It's going to be so much fun. So, you know, if you're a listener and we haven't been lucky enough to make your acquaintance yet, we would love for you to come out to this. Tell your friends, tell whoever, all are welcome. It's going to be a really, really great time and it's going to be high stakes too. It's going to be a lot on the line here. So Bring your uh, bring your best squad out, and we'll see who's going to end up walking away with the championship belt. Yeah, and I think hopefully we'll be able to share more of the structure slash rules. On it's one of next week's pods. Hopefully, we'll be able to do that. Uh, but yeah, so it's going to be a good time. And uh, you know, we like trivia. We're we we've been like you know kind of a trivia based pod a lot of the time when there's not a lot of good saber stuff to talk about. Luckily, there is this year, even though this week has been kind of blah. Yeah, a little bit. It's gotten off to a bit of a rough start after, as I had mentioned before, a thrilling overtime victory against the Minnesota Wild over the weekend. I don't want to say that they won because my band played, but they are two and one in games that we've played. So that's pretty good. Something to consider here. But after that game, of course, the Sabres unfortunately followed it up with a brutal shutout loss against the Philadelphia Flyers. And then after that, on Tuesday night, most recently, they fell for the third time. Or is it the fourth? No, they're 0-3 against the Kraken, I believe, right? 4-0-4 now. 0-4 now. Ooh, woof. Tough loss against the Kraken there in what was Eric Comrie's first game back. UPL was originally slated to start that game, but he fell sick in the morning. So Comrie got the start. Comrie getting the start meant that he was activated back off of injured reserve. And with that, that meant that there was an extra roster spot. And so the Sabres placed Casey Fitzgerald, Taylor's boy, on waivers. And he was, I would say, surprisingly picked up by the Florida Panthers as well. So, so long, Casey Fitzgerald. We could get to that in a minute. But let's talk about the week so far here, Taylor. Back-to-back losses after that thrilling overtime victory. Up next, we have Winnipeg on Thursday night. As everybody's listening to this, they'll be getting ready for the game. Your thoughts on on these two get back to back games here? Is this you know any sign to anything to be concerned about, or is it just a young team that again is finding their footing and isn't quite ready to be at that point where they're going to take that big leap yet? Well, I think these are both the kind of games you have in a, a, a season as long as an NHL season. The problem is you had them in back to back games, which is kind of tough to deal with. It means you'll be like you'll you'll have more games like this. Uh, the whole point is if you want to make the playoffs is you limit them. So yeah, no matter what, no matter how good you are, you're going to play. You're just going to have an absolute awful effort like they did on Monday against Philadelphia. For those who, you know, maybe haven't been paying attention to the rest of the league. Philadelphia is not good this year. They had a pretty interesting October and they've been more or less in free fall since then. And they've been, I believe benching their most expensive player. They have like, Almost no production out of one of their most expensive players in Rasmus, Rasmus Ristolainen, sorry. Uh, it's It's been a mess over there, a total mess. So to lose 4 nothing to them is bad. And the way the Sabres came out in the first period, it was awful, awful. They looked terrible. And in fact, I, uh, and I'm sure a lot of other people did too, uh, just turned on the, the college football national championship after the first period. And then at like halftime of that game, I was like, shit, I might as well just go do the dishes because... Good Lord, this is just a a nightmare sports night. So that was really a terrible game all the way around. They got shut out for the first time all year against, like I said, like a bad team, not a good team, and gave up four goals, 
awful effort all around. And you'd like to see if you have a bad game like that, them to come out better. And they did on Tuesday. Uh, they didn't really look like a team that was playing the second leg of a back-to-back, but maybe that's because they were playing another team that was, and that team was also playing on the opposite coast. So that game, really interesting. I think the Sabres basically outplayed them in every period, and they looked more offensively dangerous again. And this is an annoying game for multiple reasons. I'm going to say number one reason, posts. You hate to see it. They had a lot of posts. <laughs> Not good. Second, very unlucky. Yeah, they were not. They were not lucky to, you know, down low. They had a couple good chances. Second, they outshot a team by quite a bit and lost. You hate to outshoot a team by fifteen, and have a four to one power play advantage and lose. And that basically happened for two reasons that I think are, like I said, both very annoying. One, Philip Grubauer, who has been terrible for a year and a half, was actually pretty good. Not even the Sabres didn't make him look good. He actually played well. And then secondly, Eric Conry was bad. And here's the thing that's actually very annoying to me. He was not bad enough for people to really, really panic and say we can't play him anymore. But he was bad enough that he pretty much is the number one reason they lost. I think that's very fair to say. The other thing I'll say about the Kraken, too, in terms of talking about ridiculous goaltending numbers. Do you know how many wins Martin Jones has this season, Taylor? Uh, like, I want to say like 17, 19 wins, 19. And he doesn't have a good save percentage. He's playing well enough for them to win at least. But that being said, not necessarily. That is an interesting side note. The Kraken are like really good at scoring now. Their goaltending is not good. It's not better than the Sabres. Right. I I got it. I'm not thrilled about any of this. I mean, I don't care. They're in, they're on the West coast, but that's, that's a very annoying Way to lose, like, oh, Philip Grubauer, this guy's been a punching bag, hasn't been good at all this year, and he's been hurt playing on the road, and oh, look at that. He has his best game of the season, but go on. Anyways, though, well, can we talk, well, actually, first, yeah, we should talk about Comrie here. I tweeted out yesterday, to, to your point, that's such a great point, that it wasn't like it was so much of a performance where everybody is relentlessly being like, oh, God, this was a brutal night from Comrie there. But again, it's a lot of... I felt like last night I was listening to the post game show on WGR and I felt like, I mean, I guess a little unsurprisingly, but they were being a little soft on him about it. I mean, I get it that like, you know, you have a deflection goal that goes in. Those are tough. Nothing you could do there, but especially for that fourth goal, like that's one they kept saying, Oh, well, it's one where you'd want to have a big save there. It's like, are, are we talking about this team taking a step or what? Like, of course you need a big save there from him. You know, there, and it just is a matter of like watching him and just, both with like the numbers and the eye test kind of backing it up that like this guy really isn't it. And back to my point about the tweet, what it really comes down to for me is we've seen UPL has taken a step this year. He has looked better. He's looked serviceable. We could call it. I don't think anybody in their right mind would be correct and confidently saying that this is a for sure starting NHL goaltender, but he belongs in the NHL right now. I think everybody could agree with that point. Looking ahead to next year, when, just based on how the last two years have gone and we'll see how the rest of this year goes, but without a question next year is playoff or bust expectations. Like you have the pieces in place to be a playoff team. You know, we had thought that they were missing this really kind of core centerpiece up front and Tage has emerged as that you're starting to get some depth scoring. You have more guys who are coming up through the pipeline here. You still need to address some, you know, deficiencies in your bottom six, as well as fixing they're pretty much completely reconstructing that third pairing there. But at the heart of all of that, though, 
they are going to need to upgrade at goalie going into next year if they want to have a chance of being a playoff team. You cannot go into next season with Eric Comrie and UPL as your duo. You just can't do it. You can't. I know that acquiring starting playoff caliber goalies isn't exactly something that's easy to come by and we'll see how the trade market ends up flushing out we'll see what ends up happening with free agency once we get a little bit closer there because it's a little early to speculate on that right now but the fact remains you cannot go into next year with those two and net and have realistic playoff expectations which they should because the rest of the roster is is just about ready for it i think they're missing you know like i said that third pair maybe another really quality scoring piece up front to help with that depth in the middle six and then, you know, we'll see what the third line ends up looking like, whether Gergensen's and Oppose will be back. I, I think they've been pretty happy with Jost. I think everybody, rightfully so, has been pretty happy with Jost. So he's somebody, of course, that you'd like to retain and bring back there. But while we're talking about some of the negatives here, can, we, can I transition into some positives that actually have come out of this past week? Some milestones sure. that have been hit, if you will. So first off, I didn't even realize this until we – I had referenced this account last game, but Buffalo Sabres stats – Put this one out there on January 8th. Players with 30 goals over a span of 30 games in one season this century. Pavel Bure, Austin Matthews, and Tage Thompson. End of list. Wow. Not even, Ovechkin, not even Ovechkin has done that. Do you think of all of the other heavy hitters in terms of goal scorers over this century, over the past 22, 23 years, the fact that Tage is one of three guys to do something like that, it really puts his dominance into perspective. But let's give some love to the other guys on the squad right now. Let's start off, for example, Dylan Cousins, who has in 39 games surpassed his goal or his point total from last year. Last year, he put up 38 points in 79 games. This year, he is playing at a point per game pace with 39 and 39 we all know Cousins has been great. We've been seeing his two-way game just continuing to develop and get better there. But coming into this year, you and I both said that the biggest thing that we needed to see from Cousins was his finishing touch improved and him to just put more points on the board. You can look at how he played last year and understandably and very fairly say, well, he had a, a pretty all right year, all things considered when it came to development. A lot of his underlyings looked pretty promising, but the fact remained that he needed to develop a bit more of a finishing touch and also just his playmaking ability really, you know, he's always had that, especially when it comes to using his, his frame and his skating to kind of set up those plays on rushes, but now we're in, in zone entries, I should say. And now we're really starting to see it all come together. So Dylan cousins, 39 games, 39 points has exceeded his career high in points, which was of course set last year. Moving on also here, another guy, pretty good year so far. Rasmus Stalin. Taylor, 13 goals in 38 games matches his career high in goals from last year. He put up 13 in 80 games last year. And while we're talking about Darlene too, he has 46 points in 38 games. Last year, he had his career high in points with 53 points in 80 games. So as it stands right now, he is seven points away from hitting his career high. And if we're being honest, he hits that by the end of the month. Probably, pretty, yeah. Pretty easily, I would say. So good for Darlene there. And then also Alex Tuck. Alex Tuck right now is only seven points away from matching his career high in points. And he has already tied his career high in goals. He set in 2018-19, he had his uh, career high in goals and in points. He went 20, 32, and 52 in 74 games. So far this year, 20, 25, and 45 in 39 games. So we have... 
four pretty significant pieces here that are smashing personal records of there. And it's really, really great to see. And I think that all just contributes to the point here that a, a couple of things really would I like to see them make a move at the deadline or at some point coming up soon for them to make a run for the playoffs? I think there's a lot of people out there who would say, oh, well, sacrificing pieces, blah, 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 blah. Tage, I, I hope and I, I would think that the guy that we're getting right now, like this is it, like potential 100-point guy, which is great. Darlene, again, him being potentially a 90-point guy, amazing. Tuck, Skinner, Cousins, all being on a point-per-game pace. You don't know if injuries are going to occur. You don't know anything of what the future may hold there but what you do know right now is that this team is scoring near the top of the league right now and the main thing that is keeping them back from climbing up the standings is goal prevention and that also that of course is both goaltending and as well as defense but I'm of the belief right now that we're in a good spot because a lot of where this production is coming from is coming from uh, you know, uh, uh, guys who aren't like over the hill and having a career year, like a po- we're not relying on a Pozo to put up like 20, 20 goals, like how he did last year, you know, Tage, Tuck, Skinner, those guys, I mean, they're, they're not necessarily at a point where we're going to have to be worrying, like really worrying about something like regression when it comes to their respective ages. Skinner is the one, obviously that we have to worry about the most with him being the oldest. But then on top of that too, like cousins is really just stepping into his prime Quinn and Paterka. Like they obviously have struggled a little bit over this last stretch here, but by and large, we know the future is bright with them. And we're going to expect that probably after them having a full year under their belt, that next year they're going to be able to step into even bigger roles and really start to enter their prime because with both of them being in their early twenties, same goes for Owen power for that matter. So for me, the pieces are in place right now that I don't think it's necessary to feel like we need to wait until next year to take a big swing on something. If we feel like the chips are kind of falling in our favor right now and they can make a run. So what I'm wondering from you, Taylor is with all of that in mind, where do you think that this team stands right now in terms of what we realistically can accomplish this year? And should there be an emphasis on trying to sneak in this year? Or do you think that you just continue to let things play out and we look ahead to next year to be the first like realistic, like we need to make the playoffs. Yeah. The obvious answer is yes, they could definitely make the playoffs this year. They're really not that far out of it now. And like you mentioned, they're really good at goal scoring. They've really just been bad at losing close games. And sometimes that's luck based that can turn around. So ideally you make a move, at least one move, try to shore up the defense and get healthier all around. And then you hope then ideally make a run at the playoffs and try to play better than like the Islanders and Pittsburgh and maybe Washington from here on out and, and get an eight seed. And then you don't worry about what happens in the playoffs. Theoretically at that point, you just, you understand that you're there a year early and that's great. And then next year you continue kind of the, the plan for lack of a better word. The one way I could see things getting complicated is this. What do they do with goaltending from here on out for the rest of the year? If you really want to be like, well, you need to ride the hot hand. That's, that's what you really need to do. If you want to make the playoffs, if it's as long as UPL is playing well, you got to play him. And as long as Anderson's a more reliable backup than Comrie, you have to play him. If all three guys are healthy, but what does that leave you for next year? Cause Anderson's not coming back. But that leaves you with UPL and Comrie as your only choice, because I think at that point, especially if Comrie plays fewer than 20 games this year, are they really going to cut bait with him? 
like, and I'm talking about Adams. I'm talking at this point financially with Pagula. Are you able to convince him if there's no takers for a trade with Comrie that, oh, yeah, we absolutely have to uh, waive this guy and pay him to be in Rochester? That's an interesting thing. Or does Kevin Adams go, we wanted to give this Comrie guy a chance. Let's see if it's a viable thing. Let's give him at least 20, 25 games before the season ends, and then he is getting consistent starts. And maybe that's not the best thing for him. Because as I mentioned before, Comrie, at this point, you can't be like, oh, my God, unplayable. But he's been pretty bad. He's at an 883 save percentage. Somehow that save percentage in the NHL is barely above 900 now. So it's not as bad as that would have been a couple of years ago. But if he was at even like an 875, I'd say, got to get this guy out of here. Uh, but with the Sabres level of goal prevention, it's like average-ish, I guess, just because Darlene, Samuelson, and Power are so good. But yeah, if he has a couple really bad games coming up, then it's whatever. What he's doing is, is the most annoying thing is he's slowly, slowly losing your trust. Not even losing your trust, slowly making the case for being really bad, slowly eroding the Sabres' playoff chances. Because, like I said, I said, you know, that game uh, Tuesday night was a bad showing, but not a terrible enough showing to make you really panic. But you had a good point when you talk about, like, oh, maybe this is a, a saver, this is a shot where you want a big save. Well, that's it. A lot of times it's just one. One goal every two games is huge it, for a goalie. It's not like you look at that and go, oh, man, all four of these goals were terrible from Seattle. It's like, no, one of them was. One of those goals was terrible. Without that bad goal, terrible, bad, whatever you want to put it, without that bad goal, you go to overtime in that game. That, and in that a key goal. spot, too, no less. I think that's another yes. distinction, too, is the, the yes. point in the game in which it happens. So you get one of those every two games? And then at the end of the season, you look and you're like, wow, this guy was 40 goals worse than average. Well, you don't play 80 games. So if a goalie plays 50 games and does that, he's 25 goals worse than average. That's terrible. But if he was really bad, if he was like, let's say Columbus against Tage bad, you would just be like, all right, get this guy the hell out of here. We can't deal with this. But as it stands now, you kind of have to deal with it for a little while. So, yeah, that's kind of where I'm. But I n- none of that affects no, – nothing with the goaltending affects what you do in the trade market. Which at this point I think is Chickering is obviously the number one target. If he really is available, it seems like he is. And if not him, you should be looking. You should really be looking uh, strongly at other defensemen around the league, or maybe even who knows this uh, fellow that's available in Florida. Maybe I was just about <laughs> to bring that up because, oh my God, Elliot Friedman in his most recent thirty-two thoughts posed the idea of the Seattle Kraken going out and acquiring none other than our old friend, Sam Reinhart. And if you had just started to listen to the show this season, but more so if you listen to us over the summer, you would know over the summer and even back into last season too, both Taylor and myself have never really let go of the idea of bringing Reinhart back. He is in the second last year of a three-year deal that he signed with Florida. So he's going to be a UFA after next season. And compared to last year, he's underperforming right now. Last year, of course, as we all know, he played at over a point per game pace. Florida underwent some roster changes this year, but most of all, their goaltending has just been killing them on top of that. And this is the first time that Reinhardt's name has been thrown out there as a possibility to be on the trade market. And, our boy Kevin, NT Ryder, had, had pointed out a potential idea of parting ways with our 2024 first 
And I think he said maybe like a second or something, and then maybe a body and bringing in Reinhardt and Radko Gudis, which Gudis is, I think, a better version of what you would, what we hoped Labushkin would be in terms of like a, a strong quality third pairing guy. But if it came down to it and we could have Reinhardt back for a protected 2024 first, I am running to the phone and making that phone call right now in the top six, as we've seen, we, we love this second line when it comes to Quinn cousins and Paterka. And I do think that long-term of course, that that could end up being a very, very good thing for this team and a, and a consistent piece for this team moving forward. However, as we've seen though, these are two younger guys who are still adapting to the NHL and to a very real degree, that's something that we may be experiencing to a, a lesser degree next season. Having a guy like Reinhardt gives you the ability to plug him in on that second line left wing spot. But also, if you wanted to keep that second line intact, there's your third line center right there. But you're not going to be deploying him like a third line center. Like, yeah, he'll be centering the third line, but he'll be getting, what, 17, 18 minutes a night if you bring him in here. Right. And that gives you – because let's also keep in mind, too, he put up those numbers last year largely playing on the third line. And not playing center. He was playing with Lundell last year more than he was playing with Barkov. So Hmm. I feel as though, yes, getting a really good top four defenseman, I 100% feel is like priority number one right now in terms of what's realistic. Obviously, goaltending is going to have to be something that gets addressed. We were talking about Demko about a month ago or so. We don't know where that's going right now. We'll see how that shakes out. But the fact remains, though, as it stands right now, this team is not good enough up front to feel like it is a confident, real playoff contender. And if you were to bring in Sam Reinhart to bolster that middle six, that catapults you into that category 100%. On top of that, too, as we're talking about these roster issues here with Comrie coming back up, you're, if you're going to be rolling with three goalies, there still is going to have to be a move to be made here. And who have we been talking about that? It just makes too much sense to move. Victor Olofsson and Casey Middlestat. Middlestat right now is on pace for a career high in points. He's going to surpass hopefully 50 if he continues at this rate. Yes, a lot of it is coming from power play time. But people overvalue guys like that. He's a top 10 pick and a a former top 10 pick who's putting up over 50 points. Somebody is going to give something up for that. Olofsson with his shooting talent, his ability on the half wall of the power play, And again, if there's a team that maybe has a hole in their top six and they have a really quality two-way center that's in the middle of them, that is kind of, you know, he's going to be riding shotgun with. Again, that is something that is valuable. There's really in the bottom six. And I'll say this too. I include Krebs in this as well. Asplund, Jost, all of them. There's nobody in the bottom six that I am like, you can't move right now. I mean, do you feel as though that that's a move or a call that they should make? Yeah, theoretically for the right price. Like the price Kevin put out there is pretty good. I think it actually does make sense for them because they're in a really dire spot. They're actually tied with the Sabres in points, uh, with the Sabres having three games in hand. So we're talking about the Sabres having a bad week and getting pushed down on the potential playoff scale. Florida just did too. And you talked about some of their losses there. You didn't touch on what I think is their greatest loss this offseason. Their first round pick? Oh boy. Ben Carriott. I mean, that's another one. That's really bad. That is terrible. I didn't even think about that. Yep. And I, I, and I'm not counting Huberdeau as their greatest loss because that's a 
they they gain something in, in losing him. Right. Andrew Brunette, which actually, oh, as they yeah. say, sometimes when a move like that happens in the league, it's good for someone else. In this case, two franchises, one of whom is relevant to the rest of the Sabres week, which we'll get to right after we hear a word from our sponsors. Starting with DraftKings, the NFL playoff picture is locked. And my go-to place for wildcard round action is DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. To kick off the road to Super Bowl 57, new customers can bet just $5 and get 200 in free bets instantly. Plus, all new and existing customers can get a no-sweat bet each day of the wildcard round this weekend. Just place any NFL bet of your choice, and if it loses, you'll get a free bet back up to $10. Action so good, why bet NFL playoffs anywhere else? So, now this is the time when I'm supposed to discuss my own experiences and in any upcoming matchups, things like that. Here's the thing. Today, big news came on, gambling-wise and real-life-wise. Tua is out for the Bills game, and Skylar Thompson is likely to start a quarterback for the Dolphins. A good move for the Dolphins and good news in the short term for the Bills. Uh, there's... He has Tua has two diagnosed concussions this year, both of which were extremely serious. He had a third one that he definitely had, uh, unless you are being paid by the NFL or are a certified bozo. And he, a, a forgotten thing, he had, I, I can't call it a fourth concussion, but a fourth real big concerning hit to the head against, I believe it was Houston, where they were killing them in the first half. And then he got hit in the head either the beginning of the second half or right at the end of the first half. And they stopped throwing the ball, basically. He didn't do anything for the rest of the game. I don't think he was on the injury report or anything, but go look at that hit. Uh, it's it's definitely not a hit you'd love to have in a year where you already definitely have three concussions. So, good thing for – honestly, really good thing for him setting out. I they haven't They're not going anywhere this year anyway. They're 9-8. and eight. They'd have to beat three really good teams in the row. Never happening, so – you know, take care of his health. It's your mental health, or I should say your, your brain health is not something you can get back. It's sometimes the damage is permanent. So it, uh, good, good job by them. But also I should say gambling wise, that made the line go crazy, which I've never really seen like how a lot of playoff line move that quickly, understandably so, but it moved like four and a half points, but I got to say all things considered, I don't want to sound cocky, but 13 and a half points, I still feel pretty good about the Bills getting that, covering 13 and a half. So, Same. anyway, yeah, there's a couple big lines this week. And also, there are like six bad playoff teams this year. I don't, this is not a year to show off the expanded playoff. <laughs> I know it's the third year of it. This is, uh, there haven't been a lot of great seven seeds so far, but yikes. That's, that's yeah. the extent of it. The, the Geno Smith Seahawks fell ass backward into the playoffs. The, the Dolphins won 11 to six against the Jets to get in. We were so close to having the, the Kenny Pickett Steelers make it. The Bucks won their division. They suck. The Jaguars won their division. They're just pretty good. The Vikings went 13 and four with a sub uh, five, or sorry, a, a negative point differential. Oof. Oof, indeed. Brutal. Anyway, so download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code THPN. New customers can bet $5 on any NFL uh, any NFL game and get $200 in free bets instantly. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code THPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details and responsible gambling resources. All right, and then, of course, 
there is our other sponsor, Thin Man. What do they got going on this week? Uh, well, first of all, I finished second in trivia last night, so that's one thing they had going on this week. But Congrats. here's what else they had going on. Well-worn boot, directly named after our favorite Buffalo-based, dark, loud, flavorful, theatrical cowboy rock outfit. We're pairing this black IPA release fittingly with a show at Elmwood on Friday the 13th with Western Wizards themselves alongside local riff rappers Grosh starting at 9 p.m. Our very first smoked black lager, Power of Prophecy, will be dropping this Friday. This is a reference to the show House of the Dragon. I was a big Game of Thrones guy. I have not watched House of the Dragon. But to christen this release, we'll be pairing it with Southern Junction brisket tacos at our Elmwood location. Smoked brisket, Mexican chocolate mole sauce, pickled red onions, and fresh cilantro on flower shells. So if you want to combine two uh, excellent things, come on down to Thinwood Brewery on uh, Elmwood Avenue. Anything to add, Brendan? I love Thin Man. I, not much. I was actually just there today because I was filming a thing with, uh, with Channel 4. They do like a Music Monday thing where they highlight local artists and... I thought, where better to, to film ours for my band than at Thin Man Brewery? So over there nice. today, yeah, absolutely. No, we love Thin Man. It's great. Lots of great stuff coming up there. Like I said, I'll be playing there next Saturday night on the 21st with my cover band. So lots of great opportunities to hit up either location. And even if you're not looking for anything to do and you're just trying to go out somewhere for dinner, or go grab a drink after work or whatever, Thin Man is absolutely the spot to be. And, you know, like I said, that's their very first smoked black lager in the history of Thin Man. So if you're a fan of uh, smoked black lagers, lagers of any kind, beer, or just being part of history, you know, stop in and get a four pack or stop in and, uh, you know, have a have a beer on tap. There we go. That's what's up. All right. So like I said, perhaps the greatest loss Florida suffered this offseason that might see them drop as many 30 to 35 points in the standings based on how things are going right now Ooh. is Andrew Burnett who took over for them last October after Quenville was rightfully fired after it's revealed his role in the, the, the Blackhawks cover-up all that stuff and Burnett made sure they didn't miss a beat uh, down there in Florida and they they were excellent the rest of the year he was a Jack Adams finalist if I'm not mistaken and then they did not renew his contract and he was in, went to New Jersey, who immediately showed significant improvement and became a higher-scoring team. And they replaced him with a guy who is inexplicably one of the winningest coaches in NHL history, despite the fact that I don't even know if he has a 500 record. Paul Maurice, who mm. was previously in Winnipeg. And you'll never believe it. Uh, after quitting Winnipeg last year, uh, which I believe they were a non-playoff team, uh, they are, guess what, Brendan, not only a playoff team, a contender mm-hmm. for the central and frankly, a contender to be the one seed in the West. And they're I guess they're three points back of Dallas with Dallas having one more game played than them. Yep. And I think at that, if you're going to say that we're going to say all this at this point of the season, you'd have to kind of say they're a contender to get to the Stanley cup then considering how Colorado and Vegas look of late. I don't know if I'm going to go that far, but Colorado, they're a contender. <laughs> I mean, yeah, they are. They are. No, that's fair. You're, you're not the point still stands. No, you're right. And they didn't even hire that great of a coach. They heard Rick bonus who is so old. He coached the last version of Winnipeg. Mm-hmm. Uh, so anyway, I guess what I'm getting at is they're a pretty good team. The Sabres have coming. It'll be most likely listening to this on Thursday. That means they're playing Winnipeg tonight. And Winnipeg actually 
they have a good top line like the Sabres. They have, I believe, three guys that score at a, a point per game. Uh, actually, now that I think about it, though, one of them is a defenseman. Yeah, John uh, Morrissey's having a Norris-level season for them right now. He's come on really strong, yeah. So he, I would say he, Kyle Connor, uh, and Pierre-Luc Dubois are their, I guess you'd say their three best skaters, all having really good years. Shifley, still good. And then you have a potential Vesna winner. Well, a former Vesna winner and a potential Vesna winner again this year in Connor Hellebuck. So they're good. They're honestly, this would be a good test for the Sabres. It, it, this would be a really good win to have. Absolutely. And it frankly be a game where you couldn't be too upset just getting a loser point. Totally agree. Totally agree. And I think it's going to be interesting to see how they bounce back after these pair of losses here. You're going to day off now and let's see what you got. You know, let, how are they going to come out? Are we going to, I don't think we will know quite yet until the morning, you know, until we record this, but like, is it just going to be Quinn and Paterka just slotting back into the lineup in their usual spots? Is Granado going to try and mix it up a little bit? I would tend to believe that'll probably just roll back out Paterka, Cousins, and Quinn, but it'll be a really good test for this team. And I'm looking for them to pull out a win here. I mean, Winnipeg is a very good team right now, like you said, and even beyond those guys, I mean, that doesn't even mention like Blake Wheeler has started to turn it on a little bit as of late. They also have some good guys in their middle six when it comes to like a veteran like Adam Lowry, Cole Perfetti, good young player for them as well. We didn't even mention too almost Buffalo Saber Nikolaj Ellers. Oh, I didn't even think about him. Is he hurt? Well, he's back now. He actually he he's back now. He's he's been back for three games. Um, but he was out since October and in his three games back he has five points he didn't have any in his first game on uh your birthday slash your favorite day of the year january 6th but he had three points on the eighth and two points on the 10th so another person to worry about wow so you know who the jets aren't worried about (laughs) their former coach whose career record i just looked up paul maurice is oh my god he's top five all time in coaching wins he is coached seventeen hundred and twenty-seven games. He's won seven hundred ninety-four of them. Jesus, he's seven ninety-four, seven hundred ninety-nine ties, one hundred thirty-four overtime or shootout losses. This mm. is absurd. I know this is a former coach we're talking about, but he has coached since he was twenty-nine years old. He coached. He's old enough that he coached Harvard or Harvard. Jesus, Hartford. He coached Hartford for two seasons. And then, I mean, can someone explain this to me, how he got hired this offseason? I want to just go quick. I'm excited because it's our divisional rival, Florida. I'm glad that they're not going to be as much of a problem. But good Lord, two seasons in Hartford, they moved to Carolina, inexplicably coaches them through 2004, despite the fact that they only made the playoffs three times. I know one of those was a surprise cup run. And then, let's see, a year off. And then two years in Toronto, both playoff misses, goes back to Carolina, make the conference final, and then three straight playoff misses. And then goes to Winnipeg, uh, where he swept playoff miss, playoff miss, conference finals, first round loss, first round loss, second round sweep, and then missed the playoffs last year, quit the middle of last season. So th- this shit's done. This is the most hockey shit in the world. I, I don't like to do the, um, you know, the every coach is recycled thing because it's not as true i mean it's true in every sport and it's not as true in hockey as people say but good lord there's no one else in the world besides this guy and he's only 55 he'll probably coach 10 more years of these bullshit teams and get up to i don't know number two all-time in wins well to your point before what more could andrew Burnett have done last year 
to I guess one more in the playoffs. I mean, what, what was the president's trophy? But I mean, come on though, you know. Yeah. It's crazy to me that you have a team like Florida that last year was on the precipice of I mean, going into the playoffs, everybody was thinking that they had a very real shot to win the cup with how good they were in all facets. And of course, yeah, they sucked in the playoffs. Like, don't get me wrong, obviously. But after what Andrew Burnett did for them in the regular season, was it that his firing really warranted? I mean, I know we we all know the answer to that is no, especially now. But to think that you have this like run and gun team who is like super fast and great with scoring and and also just great in their own end too. And your thought for who the best coach is to maximize that roster and those players was Paul Maurice. I mean, it benefits it. the Sabres at least, you know, if Florida is going to be thinking about selling off parts now and Reinhardt might be a part of that. Awesome. Yeah, Good. Thanks guys. Appreciate, Appreciate it. it. Yeah. Hey, that's hey. wild. Yeah. I know. Honestly, like they lost in the playoffs last year, but they lost to the lightning. You know who else has lost to the lightning in the past three years? Everyone that's played them except the avalanche. Yep. They're 11 and one in playoff series. I don't think you can take that too personal. I know they, they lost to him twice, two years in a row. Fair enough. But like one of them wasn't Brunette's fault. So, I mean, do they can Maurice after the year if they don't make the playoffs? Oh my God, they should. Right? But no, like this guy's to. apparently Teflon. He's only made the playoffs nine times. He coached, I, they, they hired him in Winnipeg basically right after they got, they moved back from Atlanta. Not right after, but pretty close after they moved back from Atlanta. The, the guy hadn't done anything playoff wise in his career except for two pretty goaltender driven runs in Carolina. And he's made, he made the playoffs like one out of every four seasons in a league where more than half the teams make the playoffs. And he missed it three years in a row and then got swept. It's like, gee, what the hell? What, what, this guy's it, it's incredible. It's really, it's really remarkable. Good for him. Anyway, that was too much of a tangent. We love so I a guess good the, scammer. Yeah. The, the point I guess we're making here is that this is going to be an actually tough game for the Sabres. It's not the kind of blah Winnipeg team that we've seen the past couple of years. And they, they actually score a little bit. And uh, Hellebuck has found his groove again a little bit. And then we uh, they'll go to play the Predators, who are a pretty average team with a really good goalie. Mm-hmm. On that'll be Saturday night, eight p.m. in in Nashville. Uh, I don't have much to say about the Predators, but you know what I said. UC Saros is good, and uh, they're not really exciting outside of that. Yeah, that's that's very fair. I, I mean, again, it, it'll just be another game though. That'll be a good test for them. I, I think it's you know you've had these two rough losses. Back to back here. I mean, you know, you're kind of getting it easy, or you're getting a, a tough matchup when it comes with Winnipeg, and then you know Nashville right now is on the outside looking into the playoff race. Maybe they'll stick around, but they're not scoring to the degree that they were last year. So I feel like it's probably unlikely that they're going to be there come late March, we'll say, or even early March. I don't know. Especially when you look at they have Colorado behind them right now, specifically by only a point. I mean, maybe Vancouver ends up catching up to them a little bit. They're seven back of them, but ahead of them is St. Louis, Edmonton, and Calgary. And I don't foresee any of those teams really falling out of the race here, especially considering St. Louis, as people have been correctly pointing out, are putting together pretty good strings of games here without O'Reilly and Tarasenko right now. Like Robert Thomas has been lighting it up for them. Jordan Cairo, after a slow start, has been lighting it up. So... Those are two games that if you can win 
against Winnipeg, make that upset happen. Good momentum going into the Nashville game and then just, you know, roll them down, just roll right through them and beat a goalie. That's better than yours. Beat one of the best goalies in the league, you know, and I think that's a great confidence booster and it gets the team back on track after these, uh, these rough couple of losses here. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's a, they're going to have to play a lot of games coming up. So honestly, the three goalie thing isn't the worst thing in the world. And yeah, they lost Fitzgerald over it. I we didn't talk about that yet. It's yeah. a little bit, I, Fitzgerald was not playing well, and I don't know if he was ever going to be an NHLer. It's such a weird thing, though, because you have to consider him, since he was a third-round pick, to be a moderate success because he made the NHL and played sure. some games for the Sabres. That's honestly why, even though I the whole paying attention to the draft in the first round, I think, seems interesting. You get to see guys who are mostly end up being players or even the beginning of the second round. But once you get past, like, the 40th pick, like, one out of every 10 guys plays in the NHL, it seems like. On average, after that, for any serious amount of time, and it's like not even always for their the the team they're drafted for. So, and just just being kind of like a weird thing where it's like Casey Fitzgerald was a better draft pick than most guys that have gotten taken were taken from like two thousand two to twenty nineteen. Mm-hmm. Like, like he's he's one of the Sabers' success stories, quote unquote, after between the second and seventh rounds. And it's like, yeah, he got up for a little bit after 60 years of you putting uh, time and effort into developing him, he gets up and then it's like, I'm going to say success uh, roster crunch. Lot. See ya. Success is doing a lot of work in that sentence. Yeah. But it's relative success. I know. I know. I'm I just think kidding. relative is doing most of the work. Well, I mean, he's somebody that you and I have been saying, God, since he first came up that he just doesn't have it. Like he's at times. Sure. He's shown his physicality, but what, as, as we've seen from, you know, Rasmus Ristolainen's greatest hits. Physicality without competence in your own end means nothing. Right, right. I would have liked to have gone back to Rochester, to be honest, but... Oh, yeah. Me th- I, mean, Florida, would... I guess, needed him. Hey, good AHL player, that's totally fine. I didn't even think he was necessarily there for being, like, a seventh defenseman. Good guy in the AHL to have, though. Flexibility if you are desperate and needs to bring somebody up because of injuries or whatever, but... No, Pilot didn't get picked up. Yes, yeah, Rochester. True. That's true. Very interesting, Florida. Where were you then? Mm. I don't know if they did had the need at the time, but probably a it, good thing. Yes, yeah, oh, for sure. Pilot's better than Fitzgerald. I'd rather yeah. have him come back up at the end of the year. But hey, I guess they decided that out of all the guys that came up with the injury crunch, that they like Cal Clegg the most. And I mean, I definitely like him better than Fitzgerald. I mean, he's a fine for sure. seven for sure. The problem, I guess, we've been getting at, like, who's the four, five, and six? I don't know. TBD. TBD. I also just got to say, too, as we're talking about this in the trade thing, people may be listening and think, okay, so you're saying you're going to go get Reinhardt, you're going to go get your number four, and you're going to maybe go get a goalie. The Sabres can literally go get all three of those guys and not make a dent in their main prospect roster pool that they have right now there are no key pieces i feel as though at least that they would really be parting with we're at the stage of the game now that you have guys like quinn paterka who are already here but you also have coolidge is going to be coming up you have some of the other guys too who are going to be coming through the ranks right now that you're still going to have a healthy amount of development going on and including this year's first round pick too, whoever that ends up being a healthy amount of development going on while still being able to sacrifice some of those pieces. Like let's move some of the unsure things for sure things. 
I do not need to wait around and see what Noah Ostland is going to turn into, which could end up being a damn good player. If it means that Sam Reinhardt's going to be coming back because you know what you're getting, you're getting a proven commodity. The same thing goes for defense too. If it's a first round pick next year and Ostland, or we're talking about like Kisikov, or maybe you send out like one of the other goalie prospects. I don't know. But the, the fact still remains that the only guys on this team and in this organization that I would not move right now are Tage, Tuck, Cousins, Quinn, Paterka, Darlene, Power Samuelson. Eight guys, nine guys. Mm. Well, I think everyone, I think everybody else should be fair game because that's the core right there. And if we're talking about giving up unproven or unknown commodities to add to what would be a firm 100% consistent piece of the core, let it rip. Let's do this. I I want them to get wild and, and take a couple of big swings here. You need to do it. You need to do it. There's no getting around it anymore. I'm sick of waiting around for this. I know we all are. And I know that we have to balance this want and this just like need that we all have to just watch some meaningful hockey in April and May. We, we all like, it's like a yearning for it and balancing that with making sure that we're not doing something that quote unquote is deviating away from the plan. I don't think that there is another team in the NHL right now or even in the immediate future that I could think of. And I'm going to sit down and really think about this that is in the position that the Sabres are in right now. Like, think about it. You just locked up Tage seven by 7.5, whatever, a hundred point guy, a 90 point guy making seven and a half mil over the next seven years. You have Darlene's contract coming up. It's going to be big, but that's okay. It's worth it for a top five defenseman. A hundred percent. You really think that Adams is, isn't going to be able to negotiate cousins below whatever Tage is making right now. You think that they're going to go into next year or into the off season and that that's not going to be something that they're going to be able to figure out. So that's seven mil invested in a really good second line center there too. You're going to have powers deal coming up as well, but we don't know how much he's going to be at. Like, you know, we'll see how the rest of this year goes. He's going to be up for his extension this off season. So you have these key pieces in place while having draft capital, while having a flush prospect pool, while having oodles of cap space here that you will still probably have a pretty good amount even after you get through this next round of extensions because let's also keep in mind, yes, you're going to probably be paying Darlene north of nine. Power is going to get paid. Okay, we know that. But you also locked up Samuelson at a very good deal right now. And while we love him, and he's probably going to play out the duration of this contract, Jeff Skinner is going to be up in a few years. And that's nine mil off the books right there. So there's a lot of flexibility here that this team has that I really can't think of another one where you have so many of these key pieces locked in with just so much flexibility ahead of you here. And so there is not a team in the league right now that I think is equipped to take a huge swing, multiple huge swings than the Buffalo Sabres right now. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, there's another huge aspect to that. The new TV deals, the salary cap is going up 
finally yep. the flat cap's going to be over, but it'll probably rise pretty quick. I think we forget how quick it rose, like, and how consistent it was from like when it was formed in 2005 until COVID happened. And now it's been flat for three years, obviously, but revenue rose faster than expected because of how good both TV deals were. So there's not, there, there isn't quite the waiting period they thought. And now TNT and ESPN, I mean, that's worked out a lot better than NBC. So you're going to see quick, quick rises to the point that Tage is going to be a, a absurd, unthinkable bargain. And that's going to open up a lot of other things for you. And especially if you can try to get cousins and power deals done quickly. And then you have to figure out Dowling and Dowling's not going to be cheap. But yeah, so I think a lot of people, when they would look at your overall point about trading for all three of those things, uh, they would kind of point, a lot of people are going to be scared off by the Tim Murray quote unquote rebuild. Uh, but <laughs> I think we said it before, but now I can, we can really vocally say that this is really not the same thing because you are making those moves to get right into real contention. Uh, whereas Murray was going from, they were a team that was lucky to get 54 points and I mean, he didn't realize it, but they were about to see huge declines from both Ennis and Molson, which are two of the three guys that had scored for them during their lucky to have 54 points tank season. So <laughs> they had like the talent of like a 35 point team. And yeah, you were adding Eichel and Reinhardt, then you were adding O'Reilly, Kane and Leonard. And two of those guys, frankly, didn't even work out to what you wanted them to be anyway. So it's a little bit different, I would say, in this in this scenario. You're there. You're not really, you're not rushing anything, to be honest. Like I would say by next year you'll That's have you'll have Coolidge probably in the NHL. Savoy will see. Savoy will either be in the AHL or NHL. Who knows? I mean, he'll still be developing regardless of where he is. And so will Coolidge. Um and beyond that, it's like, okay, Otzlin's an interesting guy. Rosine's interesting. Uh Whoever they draft, which will probably be in the middle of the first round, I'm sure will be interesting. But beyond that, that those are just guys that are B or lower prospects. Kisikov, Poltipov, guys that are – it's, it's yep. interesting if they do work out, and hopefully their reinforcements are for years to come. But at the this current moment, like – or really the current moment that's starting next – probably next fall. I mean, this this season's great too. We're all having a good time. But this, these next two seasons, these, you're contending. Like this is it. And I should, I have to mention Levi, obviously I leave goaltending out of these things usually, but yes, Levi and maybe a 2% chance Portillo wants to actually be here. And then th- those guys matter too, obviously Levi matters a lot and Portillo will matter if he chooses to stay here. Right. But yeah, besides that, everyone else is going to be here. Like Levi, if you just want to add him to the Savoy Coolidge thing real quick, uh, he's a guy that hopefully would be fast tracked and he'll be in Buffalo in a couple of years once he signs and Coolidge and Savoy hopefully will be part of the team next year. And frankly, once you start trading guys, you're going to have to see that the the depth that really is there. Forget all the, the really good um, stock of like B level prospects or C plus prospects. The Sabres have uh, you also are going to have just, you already have a glut. Actually, you're not going to have it. You have a glut. Like it, this is a good example. Hannah and Asplund are both good. They're like press box residents now because they, there's just no room. There's 14 yep. forwards and they're all healthy pretty much. I mean, Gergensen's a poso. Not everyone's 100% healthy, but like, yeah, the, the team basically is 14 forwards, 15 forwards, depending on how you look at it. And then you'll have, have to add Coolidge and maybe Savoy next year. Maybe you just want to add another forward, not even like Sam Reinhardt, but just somebody getting free agency. You're, you're only losing Henestroza. You may or may not be losing Oposo or Gergensen's in the offseason. So there needs to be some consolidation anyway. So I, I think, uh, 
making those big moves is a good idea. Plus, you know what? You you want to compete for the playoffs this year, next year, sure. But beyond that, as soon as they make the playoffs, we're going to want to compete for a cup. And how are you going to make those big moves? You have to make what you would call your Stefan Diggs trade. Mm. That kind of move. Callum. Well, and that's a great point in terms of the parallel. And I, I love that point because I think we've danced around it throughout the past year when we're talking about the Sabres making a move to make that jump, but we really didn't get to it, which is Tim Murray was trying to go from the basement to contention. We are trying to go now from the doorstep to contention. They're right there. They're right there. And I'll tell you this too. Maybe this is getting ahead of myself a little bit. Maybe it's not. I don't know. If they were to do that, hypothetically speaking, and we're able to do Reinhardt, Let's say they get Severson in the offseason, and let's say that they do end up figuring something out in goal. A stopgap for a couple years, whatever. I'm talking about not a wild card spot next year. I'm not talking about sneaking into the first round. I'm talking about winning rounds with that team. Yeah. That's enough to do it. It is. Like, they are that close. Obviously, we're talking about a couple of like key pieces, but acquiring a quality middle six scoring piece is significantly easier to acquire than it is to find that high-end piece that Tage has now turned into. Finding a quality number four is significantly easier to acquire than it is even a number two. I don't even have to go as far as to say Darlene. Getting a guy that, like, even Samuelson for that matter, you get somebody that's of Samuelson's level like this is not a, a, a particularly difficult thing to come by when it comes. To, and I'm not speaking about that in terms of availability. I'm just talking about cost. Goaltending is the same thing. Availability and cost. I'm, I'm looking at as two separate things with this, but the fact of the matter is, is that they have the assets to give up whatever is necessary to meet that cost, to acquire those three key pieces. And we're talking about a team that can actually take like a playoff run not even just get there. So we're at the point now we got to start to realize we don't have to be patient anymore. At the very least, we are very close to being there, I should say. I don't know. Yeah, definitely. I don't know. I'm hyped about it. I'm real jacked up about this right now. Like this is really, really exciting stuff. And obviously the Reinhardt thing is, is pie in the sky would be incredible, but that goes for anybody who would fill in into that middle six scoring threat slot there. It could be Reinhardt. It could be somebody else. It doesn't matter. Like go out and do it because half of the guys that we're talking about right now as potential options. And that includes this year or next year's first round pick might not even have a spot on the team when it comes down to it with how this roster is shaking out right now. Like you firmly have, six guys that are more than capable of being top six forwards. All of those guys who we had mentioned before among the forward group who are possibilities right now, both those currently on the team and combined with uh, who's, who's coming up through the ranks right now. There's too many. There's too many. So let's do this thing. Like, let's take the big swing. Let's have some fun. It's not like we're like trying to go all video game with it. Like these are realistic things that they can do right now and if not right now this offseason that going into next year it's more than just playoff expectations like let's go fucking win a round let's go win a couple rounds who knows you just never know and and you're in the unique spot going back to my point before about age that 
you the the core of these guys, Tage, Darlene, Cousins, Paterka, Quinn, Power, Samuelson, are literally just stepping into their primes right now. Like, yes, it's, yeah, 21, 22, 23, 24 years old. Like, they are firmly in the point of their career where not only we're going to see what they all settle into being, but this is probably these next two to three years are the best that you're going to get out of Tage and Darlene, for that matter. Just using those two as, like, the key pieces. Quinn, Paterka, and, and Power have some time to season a little bit here. But, like, your two guys that are your two franchise centerpieces are, like, firmly in their prime right now. Go fucking do something and make the most of it. Do not make the same mistake that you made with Jack Eichel and Sam Reinhart, where you just wasted their best years. Don't do it, because this team right now is way deeper than any of those teams ever were close to being. An organization is way deeper. Yeah. For sure, for sure. All right, I'm going to shut up. Do you have anything else you'd like to add, Taylor? (laughs) Uh... Anything interesting happened in the hockey world recently? No, I suppose not. Not really. Not that I could think of. Hmm. Well, that's about it then. All right. Well, do you have any recommendations? Uh, the Bills. I also recommend the Bills. Go Bills, folks. I also recommend everybody wish Ziggy a happy birthday. Ziggy. Oh, yeah. Happy birthday, Ziggy. Ziggy turned two today on the 11th. Yeah. So my little birthday boy. So proud. Proud dad. Who's your random Sabres player? Hmm. Well, it's a good question. Since we're going with uh, the Jets, let's go with Dale Howard, Chuck. Ooh, OK. I like Sabres, that. One of the best Sabres of all time. <sighs> all right. Well, since we're going with the Jets, I will go with. Another one of the best savers of all time, Drew Stafford. <laughs> oh wow. The late Dale Howardchuck <laughs> and the late Drew Stafford. Kidding, of course, but yes, we love we love Drew. Hey, also, cool thing that we could we'll talk about next week that we should probably do as like our teaser for Monday's episode. Ryan Miller Knights next week. We're going. That's right. That's right, folks. Very exciting stuff. We'll be there. We'll live tweet from the arena. It'll be a good time. Taylor and I got our tickets, uh, I think, before the season even started. Pretty much like the day they went on sale, I think we got those. So super, super excited. Yes, sir. All right. Well, everybody, thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Straight Up Sabres presented by the Hockey Podcast Network and the Charging Buffalo. Make sure you're checking out both of the presenters of this podcast on their respective websites. Whatever streaming platform you're currently listening to, make sure you check out all of our fellow shows and on social media. Follow them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, where you could also find us, Straight Up Sabres, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. On Twitter, we're straight at Straight Sabres. And whatever streaming platform you're currently using to listen to this episode, also make sure you are subscribed or following us and leave us a nice little rating or review. We would very, very much appreciate Appreciate it. Last but not least, make sure you're checking out both of the sponsors of this podcast. First, we have DraftKings. Use that promo code THPN at checkout to take advantage of great deals. And finally, Thin Man Brewery. Make sure you are stopping by there, not only to get some drinks, but also make sure you are swinging by to see us on January 25th for our first ever Straight Up Sabres Thin Man Brewery trivia night at Thin Man Elmwood. It's going to be a great time, so we're really, really looking forward to that. Thank you all so much for tuning in. We'll be back with a brand new episode on Monday. This has been Straight Up Sabres. Straight up Sabres.